dedicated to discussing movies relegated to a late night purgatory i'm one of your hosts joining me as always adam walker welcome back on the mic for week two of our flixtober series thanks did you say your name this is adam walker for pat mitchell i don't think it matters anymore this is dingus mcgee for mccracken cares if they but know it's Daniel. Pat and Adam, then I mean, it's can, the Pat and Adam show. They can deduce which one's <laughs> which. <laughs> Maybe I, I sound more like a Pat and you sound like an Adam. But I said joining me is Adam, so I feel I hope they would be able to. De- <laughs> Who's the other one? I don't Who's trust on first. The, I don't trust the deductive reasoning of our listenership. Our is stupid. All five of you. If that you're all, you're all dumb, you're all fuck, for, well. That's why you're listening to this, you fucking idiots. That's how we know you're stupid. Yeah. So Hi. a uh, a first at Midnight Flix headquarters, a movie that is currently in theaters. Whoa, uh, we've never done one uh, like this. Barbarian. Um, I hope people are really excited about this because um, most of my friends who have seen this that I talked to loved this movie. A great deal. So I was excited to talk about it. Um, the problem is, is that I came up with this idea after I saw it. So I was not able to do any sort of note taking or go back and see it. But yeah, it's still fresh in my memory. And while doing the research, it helped me jog my memory about the, you know, nuts and bolts of this. Um, but before we get to that, Shall we play some Stump the Chump? Yep, here it here it is. Here's the time. Here's here's my chance to reign supreme. I really the... shit the bed last week, so I'm sitting at four and three. You're at five and two on the season. Let me put one minute on the clock and tell me when you're ready. I'm ready. Feeling confident. Okay, starting with Who Shot Pat, 1989. The Vanishing, I'll say that it's the remake of The Vanishing from 1993. Not the original. original. Demolition Man, same year, 93. Look at me. Which one of those other ones did you know? Uh, 20 seconds, a record. I just assumed The Vanishing. Yeah, I didn't know. I, well, first of all, I did not know there was a Vanishing remake, and I did not know it was her and Jeff Bridges and Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, I knew that there was a 
Vaguely. I vaguely knew that there was a remake, but I've never seen it. I will it. never watch it. The, the, the original is probably one of my favorite films of all time. It's amazing. It's absolutely gripping in terms yeah. of how abjectly terrifying that movie is. Without even, it's not, there's no monsters, there's no like, there's there's no creepy crawlies in it. It's not that kind of movie. It is a, a psychological fuck fest. Yeah, the ending is a real butthole clutcher. damn. Yeah, we, we won't give it away for anyone that's watching, but yeah listening whatever and i don't know it's not really a movie that i feel fits in our dominion for this no we probably we'd probably never cover it on here i just wanted to say how much i love that movie it's a little too artful without being weird yeah and it's there's no glaring holes in it and it's not like Mm -hmm. a movie like tonight which is just mayhem (laughs) yeah which is why why we picked it or why i picked it um so Moving into uh, trying to talk about Barbarian a little bit, um, you hadn't seen this yet, so I'd like to try to drag you out to the movies because Lord knows you wouldn't you wouldn't do that on your own accord. You'd be fine just fucking sitting in your living room watching anything before 1993. So I'm Pretty glad much. I uh, made you go to the movie theater. We do go to the theater, believe it or not. Now I my the theater. theater like my Batman's theater. parents. Like yes, you know, I put on my 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 theater glasses. You, we and, do go to the theater, Pat. Uh, we okay. go to the theater. Sometimes the opera. I get my libretto out. Mm. Um, we do go from time to time. I will say my theater going uh, has diminished significantly comparatively the way the way it used to be. I used to go all the time. It's it's just very hard for a variety of circumstances, if anything, practically to go out to watch movies in the theater, but I get it. You know, this was a movie that I was interested in. I didn't know that it was still in the theater. I just assumed it was already streaming. So yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad that you picked this because it's a bit of a swerve for us. So when it got me out to see a movie in the theater. Well, um, so without giving away too much, what did, what did you think? How, how did how did you receive it? Here's the thing. Oh, boy. Here we are. <laughs> Adam can't like things that other people like. No. Here we go. No, no. Let's see. I will say this. When we, when we got into Here, the movie. Here's the thing, and I will say this, are not. That, that's not. <laughs> what the fuck? You're setting up as if, like, no, no, no. <laughs> When it first when it first started, when it got about fifteen minutes, twenty minutes in, I was thinking, "What did he get? What syrup did he get me in with this motherfucking movie here?" But, but I will say that my opinion did turn about midway through the movie, and I went away from the experience surprised. That's just me just going. I'm not trying to give too much away before we jump full yeah, in. Yeah. Fully in. I will say that I was surprised. And I think what I'm, I'm, I know that this is a part of the marketing ploy with this movie is they are intentionally trying to keep the plot and synopsis pretty under wraps. 
So most people I know going into it, they're like, I don't know what this movie is about. It's almost like it's getting this self-perpetuating sort of mythology where people hear that it's going to be something they're going to be into, but they're not really sure what it's about. And then they go and they check it out and they walk away with, you know, a different opinion than they went going into it, I suppose. So the marketing job that they're doing with it, I think is working, if anything. Yeah, I can't stress enough, if someone hasn't seen it, how much you have to go into this as blind as possible. Spoiler-free yeah. as possible. Um, it really adds to the overall experience of not knowing anything. I think that's imperative. And it's how it's how I saw it. I was able to avoid spoilers. I was really worried about it because people were posting about it left and right. And I was like, one of you motherfuckers is going to go say something too far. And I, and I'm going to even get an inkling about what's going on and I'm going to be pissed, but no, it was not ruined for me either. So I was happy to say that. And yeah, I, I walked away just being like, well, that ruled. That was just fun. That was just, these are the kinds of movies where I just, you know, you, you wait for October to roll around and just see this kind of stuff get released. And um, it's not all great, uh, but I like that this took a big swing and it was just fucking pure horror mayhem for 90 minutes. I love I loved it. Obviously, that's why I picked it. But um, well, so, and I want to. Oh, yeah, yeah. I want to say this up top, too, because if you do listen to this show. You have to go into it expecting spoilers. So if you are one of those people that aren't familiar with our show, that you go into it already knowing the movie, and if you're one of those crybabies that gets all bent out of shape about spoilers, I'm not. I don't give a shit. Don't listen to this because it'll ruin it for you because we're going to give it away, obviously, because we're going to talk about the movie. So just end it right here and fuck off. And go see the movie and then maybe come back if you want. That uh, that being said, also, this movie, despite everything and despite maybe the way it's being perceived, it's not reinventing the wheel by any stretch of the imagination. So I'll say those two things up front, too. So there you go. So um, like you said, from here on out, uh, spoilers ahead. Be warned. Now's now's the time to turn back. Yeah. In three, two, one. Okay. <laughs> all right. So all the crybabies left. Now let's why, have the, Why are there crybabies? They're yeah, just people that just don't want to have, have the movie spoiled. I don't understand. <laughs> I just don't understand why people get so bent out of shape about spoilers. That's all. It another. would ruin the fucking movie if you. Nah. It would. It wouldn't ruin this movie if you knew what it was going to happen. Whatever. that's a whole nother subject for me but yes okay for most people i get it for me it's not a big deal so i understand i'm being sensitive to the needs of other people no you're not no (laughs) (laughs) sensitive go so i'm the one that put the disclaimer up front all right go go ahead sorry so all ye who enter turn back now or whatever The plot. 
this movie follows a young woman um, named Tess who finds out her that her Airbnb is accidentally double booked uh, by the creepy Skarsgård brother. And they soon find a dark secret residing deep within the bowels of the home in the form of a saggy titted incest demon who takes her captors on as her own children. Uh, that's the long and the short of the of the mayhem. Um, in terms of release and everything like that, money made, we actually do have some numbers. This uh, this originally premiered at San Diego Comic Con over the summer, so July twenty second, but was theatrically released in early September, September 9th. Uh, the numbers that have come in, it's a resounding success in terms of positive reviews from from critics and, and fans alike, uh, and, and a box office success. A box office success. Fucking hard to say. <laughs> Jesus Christ. A box office success making over $36 million on a $4 million budget. So it's uh, it's got legs, and that's only so far. I can't imagine once, uh, once these streaming platforms – kind of start the bidding war as to who's going to pick this up. I don't even know how that works. If there's a bidding war or if it just automatically goes to the subsidiary of whatever this, uh, uh, whoever released this, I, I assume that's what happens. 20th century studio. So I don't know. Is that 20th century Fox? So this would, this would drop to fucking, I don't know, whatever, whatever platform this goes to this, this movie will garner even more money. I'm I'm sure. Anything you want to add uh, in terms of – I didn't know if you looked anything up that you thought was an interesting tidbit in terms of money and release and everything like that. Uh, I will say this. One big red flag for me for newer horror movies especially is also when I look at the director's filmography and they have done literally jackass shit before this and all of a sudden they get millions of dollars get thrown at them. So I know that the guy who directed this, Zach Kregers, was involved in the whitest kids you ever know troupe, which they put out some funny skits. I remember they did one on the Abe Lincoln assassination that I always thought was very funny. Um, So he did have some bona fides that I could at least relate to. So it is interesting that this is this guy's first horror outing. It's a huge blockbuster and I will say that overall, you know, for me, it wasn't a cringeworthy effort. So I w- there are multiple surprises for me going into this. So, yeah, I'd never heard of this. Yeah, that's a good point. Directed by Zach Kreger. Um, I've I've never I don't know. I've never seen any of the whitest kid, you know, kids, you know, sketches. I've never seen any of his films, any of the shows that he's associated with. Uh, <laughs> I know I knew nothing about this guy. Unlike you, though, that's not a red flag for me. I don't really give a shit about that. The guy who uh, directed It Follows, also that was like his only horror movie. He hasn't done a horror movie since, and really didn't. That wasn't really his forte before. Uh, yeah, he came out with It Follows. I, it is. It, it, it's. It's not a red flag, but it always strikes me as interesting. It's always like strange that someone wants to tip their uh, dip their toe in the water a little bit. Um, I, but, I yeah, feel, 
I feel it's because for a lot of people, especially now where in Hollywood, with everything, there's this widening disparity between the haves and have-nots and people that get a chance to have any sort of upward mobility. I guess for these people that can somehow get into the system and navigate through it, horror will always be a low-budget way of entering the industry. So, and if, if they can make a low, low budget, quote unquote, horror movie succeed, then that proves right out of the gate to studios and execs. They have some, you know, salt to their abilities. I would, I would guess. I, I don't know. If it's on the front end of your career, but like to do this, like. 10, 15 years into your movie career, that that's a more interesting swerve. Like I understand if you're trying to like get your foot in the door, so you do a, a horror movie because you know it can make money and it can be made on the cheap. Um, mm. But for him to decide to do this in 2022 and he's been doing stuff since 2008, it's interesting. I don't know. Yeah, but I feel like he's only done sitcoms and I don't... He was a co- co-director. He, he's been doing like... <laughs> Teen sex comedies. He was a co-director on a movie called Miss March from 2009. Okay. Well, and and something called College from 2008, which is another yeah. like teen sex comedy. It looks like. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, I will say this too. He's uh, really good friends with Jordan Peele. They're like in the same circle. Um, so. I'll get into this in the wiki wormhole, but that uh, actually plays a role in this. Um, so him and Jordan Peele were bouncing ideas off of one another. So I don't know. Maybe Jordan Peele had a had a hand in him taking a swing at it. Yeah, I was going to invoke Jordan Peele myself with regards to why this guy just manifested suddenly into the horror world. It just seems like Jordan Peele, it's definitely increasing his reach more and more into the modern American horror industry. Yeah. Yeah. Which his- isn't, a, isn't bad because I respect him and I respect what he does. I don't necessarily like everything he does, but I feel like he's, he is one of those rare people that has succeeded at his craft and comes at it from a genuine perspective of being a, a nerd and a fan and someone into the mechanics and history of what he's doing, like Quentin Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino, another example of somebody that garnered success making movies that essentially were biting or paying very clear homage to a time gone by a yesteryear of, of film in, in terms of genre, genre specific things. So, yeah, I just don't care about any of that (laughs) in terms of like, I don't care if you've paid your dues or if you're paying homage to like, you know, I I, I don't I don't care. Like, just make a good movie. I don't I don't give a shit if you're like, you don't have to be respectful of the horror genre. There's so much bad out there. Just so much bad that that. I just want to see a good movie. And there's so many directors that I trust and I definitely like, I'm more excited to see them put out stuff, but 
I don't necessarily poo-poo somebody if they want to if they want to try a crack at it. If it sucks, it's the the proof is in the pudding. You know. Sure, I guess. I just that's where we differ. I don't I really like to, care about that. Yeah, I, I, I have to sniff out the interlopers and posers. Yeah, you're a real gate, uh, gatekeeping nostalgic weirdo. I am gatekeeping. <laughs> I, I, I stand for gatekeeping. More gatekeeping. I just, I just got in an argument. Not an argument. I just <laughs> I was on. Uh, so my personal TikTok, you can follow me uh, at Pippi Drippy. Go ahead and give me a follow. <laughs> I post more like my of my personal film journey on there. And I just posted about and I don't want to get into a whole thing with you because I'm sure you have opinions on this. But I saw the new Hellraiser and short sh- long short story. Loved it. Thought it was great. And then had just posted a video about of just reviewing it and how much I liked it. And I said, uh, I, I the actress's name escapes me, but the new pinhead i think they're calling her hell's princess or some shit um was fantastic in it and in the video i was like i think she like does a better job than doug bradley in this like it's just it's fun she does a phenomenal job and someone was like that's a slap in the face to doug bradley and it's like no it's not if she if i'm saying she's doing great and she did a great job and you agree that she did a great job if anything that's a compliment to Doug Bradley. And also things can exist separately from each other. Her doing a great job does not besmirch the career of Doug Bradley in any, in any capacity. So I thought it was funny that you said gatekeeping. Cause I was like, don't gatekeep hell, Hellraiser. We've had so much bad Hellraiser. We all need to be happy that somebody put out a competent version of this shit. Finally, 30 years, it took 30 years to, make a good Hellraiser, but I digress. <laughs> well, okay, not to derail this too much, but I do want to make a point about that, and then we'll get into it. I don't necessarily disagree with you. I haven't seen the new Hellraiser. I'm going to watch it because the original premise of Hellraiser that was devised by Clyde Barker, that, as far as I know, was Pinhead was supposed to be a woman. So it's actually... It's going ah, back to what's honoring the, intent, the, uh, the, the origin. Yeah. Ah. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm totally on board to see it, and yeah, I agree. If if this woman does a, a competent job, be it on par with or even better than Doug Bradley, then she should get her accolades for it. And I feel that Doug Bradley is a he's enough of a, of a gentleman that he would also concede that. So. Yeah, whatever. Fuck that person that tried to make that argument. I don't just. I don't agree with that. They immediately but, apologized after I called them out. They were like, "So sorry." <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. All right. So you want to move on? The good, the bad, and the questionable. We can both agree, but I wanted to just kick the party off with, as far as like a creature feature goes, the mother, who she is uh, entitled in this, is 
abjectly just so terrifying, like swinging those giant calcium cannons around looking for someone to latch on. Uh, I also, the mother is actually a dude. She's played by Matt, uh, Matthew Patrick Davis. Talk about a great serial killer name. Matthew Patrick Davis. Dude has three first names. Uh, it's, him playing the mother when I found out when I found found that out, it's reminiscent of uh, Ted Raimi playing Henrietta in like Evil Evil Dead Two. Like it's a similar kind of disgusting, uh, terrifying vibe to it. Yeah, there is a time honored tradition within horror and genre and sci fi and fantasy films of male presenting individuals playing female roles. Ah, a tale as old as Kabuki. <laughs> I was just going to say, like Kabuki. <laughs> goes way back. But yeah, he does great. Um, yes, those uh, pendulous knockers are, are quite the uh, force to be reckoned with. So she, good- When she f- first shows up uh, on set, on screen, it, it's a... Uh, especially if you don't know what's going on. It's like, what the fuck is going on? It, it is a... A literal WTF moment. I I thought it was. I thought she was great as a great creature, uh, a horror creature. She's fantastic. Yeah, and for me, this whole aspect of it, which the the story and origin of the mother harkens back to exploitation esque type films and those sort of ideas, but also. We've talked about this, I'm sure, before. One of my favorite episodes of X Files, probably my my favorite, is the oh, one yeah, called home. home. So to me, it, it harkens back to that idea of the crazy, just overly inbred lineage of maniacs. Yeah, this that, is that good. Are, That's a good. You know that that are dwelling hidden somehow in these backwoods areas. This is backwoods Detroit. Might as well, the way it's represented, might might as well be any decaying area of the South that's been long forgotten completely. That's what's funny about this. It's, it takes that idea and like turns it on. Well, this movie turns a lot of things on its head, but this, the, the idea of like the other that exists in the Hills or the South or like some, isolated uh area or location this is this other or this entity exists in a gentrified part of a very like densely populated area in terms of like it's a major city like it's it's detroit and it's uh one of these rundown homes that's been like flipped into a, a like fancy Airbnb on a row of dilapidated houses, which is, which is an interesting thing because people uh, come to the home to stay and, you know, they rent it on Airbnb and it's a very nice, like white privilege kind of thing. Um, That's objectively terrifying that it's in the deep recesses of this home. This, this thing lives. Yeah. And the whole, fact that it exists in the state it does within that area is something that I want to bring up in the questionable. But mm. nonetheless, yes, you bring up a good point that this 
this movie does take a lot of ideas and turns them on their head and things that when I was going into it, I was just eye rolling so much about it. And then it eventually did do that where it made me appreciate it more where I thought, okay, I think I get more of what this guy was trying to say with this movie right now. And it, it does have, and this, this has been a criticism from some people, but it does have that self-awareness that you finally realize kind of at the end of it. Yeah. Um, what I want to also say as far as goods go, aside from the, the crazy maniacal inbred lineage monster sort of trope, I love a good underground subterranean dwelling cavernous dwelling. Yeah. This kind of is idea. like labyrinthian. Yeah. How it just never ends. It's just this whole catacombs that exist under this bombed out outer urban area. Yeah. Yeah, in terms of set design, uh, the like very, very white, very house flippy uh, house that exists uh, above ground, and mm-hmm. the dichotomy between that and like it has a it has a breakfast nook, that and like the fucking sex dungeon that's underneath <laughs> is right. is so. It's so it's such it's such a marked um, comparison, especially when they go down there. She's just looking for toilet paper, and she finds like when you see a room with a empty mattress and a, a camera on a tripod, that that ain't for that's not for for filming children's shows. You know, yeah, you know, you're getting into some fun. <laughs> Where do you even find a camera with a tripod anymore? Right. <laughs> yeah. That, that's uh, not a good pickings. Slim pickings. Not, yeah. No, I agree though. Uh, I will also say, as far as my goods go, uh, Steve Buscemi Skarsgård there does yeah, the pretty cre- good. The, the creepy Skarsgård. So we got the the fat one, the handsome one, and uh, Bill the is creep- the is is the creepy one. Yeah, it's like a, a veritable seven dwarves here of Skarsgård. Yeah, it's a yeah. <laughs> fatty, hands, fatty, pretty, and creepy. Yeah, so pre- creepy. <laughs> he's like sneezy, creepy Skarsgård here. Uh, we could we could talk about this because um, I had this in my good as well. But I, the casting in general is top notch. I I loved it. Um, but I think casting. Creepy Skarsgård as the red herring um, in the role of yeah. Keith was such an expert level swerve because it really does occupy a lot of your attention as you try to problem solve what's going on in this in the first like 30, 45 minutes. It, it ultimately makes the reveal of the mother all the more effective because right up to that point of when that happens, you're still thinking, oh, this Keith dude is going to fucking kill kill Tess like he's somehow involved he's some he, there's no way that he does not know anything about what's going on here uh and that's great and it's all Skarsgård that's that's the power of Skarsgård in this um you don't you don't get that if you cast a nobody yeah he was able to create this awkward uncertainty in the beginning 
that that's where, you know, I let the movie manipulate me a bit where it was actually making me kind of angry <laughs> when there in the beginning, when I was watching it and, you know, I felt like there was, they were kind of drawing it out a little too much and leaning into him being so awkward and just so uncomfortable. Um, but then well, did you think he was in on it? Right at the beginning. I did. I thought, oh, yeah, this guy has something to do with whatever is going to happen to this woman. But they were able to kind of subtly dissipate that for me as it went on before he ended up getting killed. It was I kind of had the same feeling with this movie as I did with Antichrist, where going most of the way through Antichrist when I saw it in the theater, I was I just kept thinking, fuck this movie. This movie sucks. I am like literally on the verge of walking out. And then it turned. And at the end of it, I was like, okay, I actually enjoyed that. So, but that beginning, you know, really kind of did that for me. It really tested my patience. The Why? characters were really testing my patience. Why? Um, I'm genuinely I, curious. Because I didn't think the acting was very effective at first, but then I I felt differently about it once it got into the second act. I'm surprised that you that it um, that you immediately were or or that you were eventually like won over by Keith because even when like even when he's like screaming like I'm I'm down here something bit me I'm convinced he had something to do with all of this. Like I wasn't, my guard was not dropped at all. I wasn't like, Oh, you know, Keith is also a victim in this. I was, cause they don't show him. You, they just, you hear him being like something bit me. And I was like, don't go there, girl. Like yeah. I, I love horror movies also in my good that make you yell at the screen or that make you engage. Like sure. Girl, turn around. Just fucking don't, do it. Like there's, there's not, it's not worth it. <laughs> Who cares? Like, why are you, why are you trying to save Keith right now? You've known him for right. two days. Um, but yeah, I, I, up until that moment, up until his skull gets fucking wrecked and crushed over and over again, I was like, Oh, Keith, Keith wasn't in on it. <laughs> That's the only way is when Skarsgård dies. It's the only way I disarmed myself from him being involved. I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess he wasn't. I'll, no, what I'm trying to say is I was in a more nebulous position at that point. It's not that I was fully convinced that he wasn't in on it. I was more – I was kind of in the position that Tess was where – No, I know what you mean. But I'm, I'm yeah. saying I was fully convinced that he was – there. he was in on this. Like I was like ready. Like he's, he's in on it. I wasn't even – I wasn't even wishy-washy on it. I was like convinced up until when he was, he got fucking domed. (laughs) Call it an intuition, but I just also was speculating, well, they're not going to, they're not going to give you the big payoff this early into the film. But I did joke when he did get his skull smash. I was like, well, there you go. There's the movie time to go. (laughs) So that's interesting. So 
I don't I'm I wish I was sitting next to you while this happened. So how long do you think it is until Justin Long shows up on the screen? How much how much time is that? 30 45 minutes? 30 tops. It wasn't 30. 45. 30 tops. Okay. It's like 20 20 to 30 minutes. This movie tops. has a long I don't even know if you could call it a cold open, but it is a long first act. First act, cold open. Yeah, I don't know. And then it ends, and it it almost the first thirty minutes play out like a short film, and yeah. it, it could end there, and you could be like, "Well, that was a great little short film that I watched." Right. And then you are blinded by Justin Long heading down like the Pacific Coast Highway with the top down, and you're like, "Where the fuck is this going?" I. I just, I wish I knew how, like, I wish I was in your shoes when you saw Justin Long. Like, what were you even thinking as to what the hell was happening? So this may be funny to you and maybe other people that would but listen. it's not to funny to me, to you. <laughs> no, I actually, I actually cracked a huge smile when I saw that. I genuinely like Justin Long and I think he's funny. He is in I, if, if something above good. He's not just he's in my great. Uh, yeah. Love Justin Long. He plays such a reprehensible dickhead. In this. <laughs> he's such a dickhead in this. And he's so good at it. He's so good at it that it it sucks because I like him a lot still. Right. I'm, I'm like rooting for this dick. I don't even want him to get it. I'm like. I, you know, he's the latest incarnation of the canceled Hollywood actor who's who's been called out for, you know, sexual misconduct, um, which I think is a, a real fun play. Uh, and but he's such a great horror actor. I love all the horror movies he's appeared in. And he doesn't do it regularly enough, though. He's like in Jeepers Creepers. He's in Tusk. He's in this. I think that's all the horror movies he's ever done. But when he showed up on screen... I don't know if you knew this ahead of time. I did not know he was in this. So when he showed up on screen again to call back from the last episode, Arsenio Hall whooping. I was fist pumping. I was like, Justin Long is in this. And I, I was shocked he was in this. It, and it, I filled my heart with joy. I knew he was in it because I just looked up the credits before we went. And I, I said, it oh, was just, such a just sweet Long's surprise. When I saw him, I was like, and maybe you can help me with this because what is what song is he fucking singing in the car? Do you recognize the song? But it's such a funny, like stupid ass song that he's singing. Yeah, I can't remember, <laughs> but I do. Re- I did recognize the song, but I can't remember what it, it is. Because you go from Keith getting his brains beat in, and then to Black to Justin Long in the convertible singing like a Vanessa Carlton song or some shit. I, I right. don't know what it is because I. I only saw this movie the one time and didn't take notes, but yeah, I'm on board uh, with, with, with him. And we didn't talk about this, but Georgina Campbell as Tess um, is low key. Like one of the best final girls that I've seen in a horror movie in, in recent memory. It, it also doesn't hurt that she's just stunningly gorgeous. Like she's so, she's such a babe. Um, But I think she's fan. I think she's phenomenal in this. She's great. She didn't end up getting redeemed for me as well. There was a lot of redemption after it Good. got into the second and third act. 
for this film. At you at first you were lukewarm on her. I just you know on the I acting go, or the character. I I just I go front loaded into these movies so hard. Yeah, you really got to just chill out a little bit. <laughs> that they're going to suck because they usually do. Well, why do you you bring so much baggage and it it prevents you from liking things. It's so frustrating. That, that, that's not true. That's you not true. You just said it. <laughs> hey, I just try to set myself up for disappointment because that way the landing is a little bit softer. Yeah, but then the the first 30 minutes of this you're like You've got like Wilford Brimley blood pressure because you're so oh, mad. Oh yeah, arms crossed, shaking my head. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, like meanwhile, all of Adam's friends are having a great time, and little Adam can't 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 have any fun. That that really is my story. It's funny <laughs> that you mentioned being that person in the theater. That is a no, no, don't, don't go, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there was this, there was this group of teenagers in front of us that were doing that, and they were having oh, a great time. I would, uh, I, I, as much as I like that, I, it needs to be internal. I don't like the shout out in the theater. They weren't shouting. It was, it was a low talk. They were oh, being okay. Respectful. Okay. respectful. They were being respectful about it, and they even looked back at us sometimes and were kind of smiling. And I kind of looked back and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was this one. You think I was the grumpy pants at the theater? There was this fucking dickhead in front of them by himself, this peckerwood that shushed them and was telling them basically to knock it off. And even Charlotte <laughs> and I were thinking, wow, fuck off. Get a stick out of your ass, man. They weren't being obtrusive. They were clearly keeping it under wraps, but trying to show their excitement with the engagement. So one that the, was one of the one of the greatest experiences of my life was I saw a midnight midnight flicks midnight showing of paranormal activity on the Thursday when it dropped. So nobody knew anything about this movie at all. And I saw it on uh, I can't remember the theater, but it was on the east side um, and it was in a predominantly black uh, audience. And every time the title screen would go to like day 16. There was a, a groan in the theater that was so palpable. I mean, it was sold out theater. It was the most fun I've ever had in a fucking movie. And I like those movies and I like found footage movies. So whatever, you know, that aside, what your, uh, the general thoughts about paranormal activity, when it would be like day 10, it was like, Oh, hell no. Like, <laughs> like, get the fuck out the house. Like, just move. Like, people were yeah. so mad. And they were dead silent during all the shit. And all the shit would go down. And it would just go back to title screen, day 14. And people would let loose on how mad yeah. they were. And it was yeah. so much fun. I love the theater experience cannot be duplicated and it bums me out that more of these movies are going to straight to streaming because it's, it's just not the same and i'm always on my phone when i watch something at home i just can't sure. fucking help it yeah it, it sucks and right and, but to tie it back around to to barbarian i saw this unfortunately at a matinee showing with like two other fucking troglodyte dudes not that were with me that were also watching this by themselves in the middle of the day. 
and um, it just it wasn't the same experience. I would have loved to see this in a in a packed theater or like with a bunch of teenagers. That sounds fun. It wasn't a bunch of teenagers, but it was a fairly sparse right. audience. But there was there was a, a a group in front of us. So I love it that did. it can make a bad it can make a movie that's not as good feel more dangerous than it, it is. I yeah, should say it, it adds it adds to the overall ambiance and experience of watching the movie. So, anyways, going back, so we get Justin Long. He is now introduced and take to you. Yeah. So that moment, though, is so refreshing because then you get the Justin Long uh, redemption tour, which he's terrible at because he doesn't think he did anything wrong. And I think we're meant to believe that he did do something wrong. And um, come to find out, you know, we all it's one full circle as he actually owns the the house of horrors and uh, rents it out. Uh, and is the slumlord in this in this case, uh, and travels back home to try to recoup uh, the cost of the house by selling it and, and using the money to pay for an expensive trial that I'm sure he has uh, built up because of his indiscretions. And then he's uh, enter, entered into the scenario, which I think is is great because you get Justin Long, you get his character, like what kind of a shitbag he is. And then you tie him back around into the house and you're like, fuck yeah, like this is going to be great. What the hell is going to happen here? What were you thinking when he decided to descend into the catacombs of the home? Um, what was I thinking? I don't I don't know if I specifically had any thoughts about it. Like, did you think Tess was still alive? No, that's okay. Yes, sorry. Thank you for getting my engine going again. Because I uh, didn't. I, a, I, I thought was she little, was, I was dead. Yeah, I was getting a little lost in some other kind of more abstractions or commentary about the movie when when you were focus. talking about that. Come on, focus. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes, I thought she was long dead. Right. Yeah. yeah. I thought she she was she was mama meat. I thought so too, and so. To fast forward even further, though, uh, what did you think? Because I think this is a, a, th- a this is a part of the movie that even people that loved it did not like this part. But I didn't have a problem with it at all. Actually, I, I, I enjoyed it. The flashback uh, of that of the '80s and the and the <laughs> rapist serial killer that oh. doesn't get a lot of screen time. Yeah, thank you for bringing it up to that because no, that was clearly the part where I fully began to turn to enjoy this. I loved that part. I wanted more of that part. I know more of this guy's backstory. So it's weird. I wanted more, but I feel like by giving us less, I didn't need to, I didn't necessarily need, I, I wanted more, but I didn't need more. Like I think they gave us enough to where it's interesting and you know, exactly the way this guy operates and like what he's been doing without them sh- hand holding and showing you exactly what, what's been going on at the house. You can imagine what the fuck's been going on. Yeah. What I meant to say was I didn't want it more in the context of that film no, no. right there. I'm with you. Yeah. And also this is a criticism, a hypothetical criticism of this is that part of that movie and the ending to me, is setting this up for 
sequel fodder. Ah, which, I don't think I, I don't think I thought of it like that. I fully felt that way when when it ended the flashback and went back to the present moment. That was my thought: was they're setting it up for sequels, and that's where I'm like, I'm off the fucking train with this because I don't care about modern day sequels of any of these movies. But I really, really did like that part. I like that flashback. I like that character in that iteration as being the quintessential creepy serial killer rapist stalker. He's that, terrifying. That actor is great, and he played that role fantastically. He's terrifying. You you know what he remind the actor reminds me of the dad from People Under the Stairs. Oh well, that guy rules. I know. I don't know what yeah. that guy's name is, but he's terrifying. Well, he's the actor that's also in Twin Peaks, and he plays. Yes. Yeah, what's his name or, though? Nah, I, whatever. I always forget his name, but he's a great actor. Yeah, he he is great. Um, okay, yeah, we're on the same page. I love the '80s flashback, and so we don't really. So you're given that it's a little nugget, but you don't. You have to. You put two and two together. Really, when the homeless uh, uh, individual Andre he gives you the nugget that you need to understand. What is this serial killer in relation to the mother? And then yeah. once you find out that fact, then it's this horrifying like realization that the mother is just a product of generations of in- inbreeding, essentially, right? Yes. Which it's a, it's his, in his laboratory of horrors, his his homespun genetic horror show that he has down there. Because he's having children with the products of the rape, correct? That is what you're led to believe. He's impregnating the children who are the the product of the women that he's abducted and raped and, and, and murdered, I would imagine. Which leads to more questions that I have. Yes, yes. Um, how, what did you think about the ending? Uh, the ending, I don't think was the best. I don't think they stick the landing. They don't. Um, I agree. The ending, the ending was pretty weak. I will admit. So it's, it's for me, it's like this movie has about a third of it that I really, really thought was great. And so, and the ending did not land. I would agree. I'm not like, I'm not like off. I'm not off the ship of the ending. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think they stuck it. Like, I don't think they, you know, I'm trying to think of a gym gymnast. Can't literally can't think of a single one. Um, Simone Biles. They didn't fucking Simone <laughs> Biles, the floor routine. Uh, but you know, it, it was fine. I guess serviceable would be the word for it. It wasn't like I still like it was over. And uh, as, as much as I was unimpressed with the ending, I walked away being like, yes, 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 yes. Just like for the, the experience of the whole movie in totality. I was more stoked on that than right. the uh, the actual the actual ending. Um, well, I will say. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say yes. They did. They do a good overall job of creating character development with each character. That's you know, it's interesting enough that throughout the movie, you're going back and forth with each one of them. You're always yeah, kind of yeah. 
you're getting you're you're getting toyed with with each character where you're sympathetic with them and then you're not sympathetic with them and then you're on with them. The uh, the only I guess you could even say there's there there is a little kernel of their uh, of sympathy given even to the serial killer because you see him in that complete state of decay and mummification in his bed where you know he's just been laying there atrophying, which reminds me of if we want to make another callback, that reminds me of Seven when. Yeah. Yeah, they find the one victim that has just been slowly rotting in his bed. Yeah, and the serial killer, the Kevin Spacey's character, has been just meticulously keeping him alive somehow, and he's just existing in this state of rot. He Skeletal. is a yeah, he is a zombie. Mm-hmm. He's a night. He's a return. He is the woman in Return of the Living Dead. The one. Skeletal zombie that is writhing on the surgical yeah, table yeah. there, saying uh, the pain of of being dead. The best, uh, the best part about that whole scene for Return of the Living Dead is the the her spinal column is clicking against the metal yes. of the of the rack, and it's such a good that's such a good sound design. Just like to have that be a yeah. sound is so fucking so good. Man. Whipping around like a tail. We talk about Return of the Living Dead on here. Like we bring up, uh, we bring up parts of that movie almost in every episode. It's because it's one of the greatest movies ever made. And we probably never it, do it on here. Just to like, it, it fits the bill of a midnight flick, but it, yeah. we, it would be four hours long. We would never shut the fuck up. No one ever right. wants to. No, it would just it would be a disaster. Yeah, but. I like that whole scene too, where Justin Long enters into his lair and he finds the the library of yeah. tapes that he has of each one of his victims that he's that collected over the years. And the lactation room where he sees the videos of yes. breastfeeding. Um, that and you still don't know exactly what the hell that's in relation to at that time. Um, but yeah, yeah, the the treasure trove of of rape tapes. Uh, as uh, the coinciding tapes. <laughs> the, the rape tapes <laughs> with the uh, the lack <laughs> I hate to call it a lactation room it sounds like something you know you would sneak away at a Walgreens to go pump that, this is not that room but <laughs> I don't know what else to call it uh, any more good um, any more good I think well yeah that's that's it Okay, because I have enough bad and questionable that we will continue the discussion of the movie, uh, obviously. Sure. So bad. You you lead the bad. I lead the bad. Okay, one thing for me, and this is another complex issue that I have to suss out in my mind, because this does not bother me in older movies as much. It actually lends a bit of charm to it in hindsight, but... Another red flag. Conspicuous product placement. This is an advertisement oh. for Airbnb. It's even in the synopsis for it. Fuck off. Call it something else. I don't know. I don't want to hear that it's an Airbnb. I, it's interesting. So I, I, I have seen it in a synopsis. Do they ever say that in the movie? 
Because yes. I don't think they do. Do they, they actually? Do. Yes. Oh, Tess okay. says it right up front. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, right, I don't right out of the gate. They're, they are dropping what is clearly a patented, copywritten. It's not I, – I understand that it is a colloquialism at this point for a place that you rent out. You call it an Airbnb. It's not anything else. But it is – they are getting money when that gets dropped. Anytime it gets dropped in relationship to another thing, they're getting a royalty or whatever. So I don't want to – because it's just and – and to add to that, you know how I feel about fucking cell phones and movies – the conspicuous use of cell phones. And I understand that's if we're going to represent a movie in a, a present context, a contemporary context, you have to have the, the concurrent technology within it. But there's just some times where it's just so obvious. Oh, iPhones and fucking Airbnb. It's just, it dates it to a point where I, I, I am, I am future dating this, this movie. Hmm. By seeing that kind of shit go on. Because there's nothing else in the movie that does that. Everything else seems like if you took aspects of it and put it in any other place in the continuum of modern filmmaking, it wouldn't seem out of place necessarily. You know, like it's not like they conspicuously hone in on the vehicles they're using. So why do it with these other aspects of it? So those are criticisms of mine. It do, it obviously doesn't bother me at all. Um, I, I think that there's nothing in here. Like everything in here feels fairly innocuous to me. Nothing mm-hmm. was like blatantly, uh, like instantly dated, like a South Park episode. How South Park episodes are instantly dated because they're so hyper specific about the the culture, the cultural, uh, triptychs that they choose. Right. Um, but it's a critique. It's a critique. It's not just there. Just. Well, cause I was thinking like, like this specifically, nothing stood out to me, but, uh, I can't even imagine how fucking beat red and in the face you would be and how clenched, how tightly clenched your fists would be if you were to watch that. Uh, the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot that came out because I watched it. I oh, fucking hated it. Leatherface doing the TikTok video. I, 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 can't, I, I imagine you fucking oh, lost your mind. Yes, I'm clenching <laughs> my fists right now. Fuck that piece of shit movie. I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> that part in that bus where I, I all love the it. fucking dickhead techie bros all had their phones out. It's so You're good. gonna get can't. Oh my god. I. I was watching it with my friend Brandon who listens to this show. So he might hear this and he likes the movie. And I was just he we watching it? it on their laptop. Yeah. We were watching I liked on, their, it too. on their laptop and I just wanted to throw that laptop. I thought laptop. it was great. It was like, yeah, whatever. This isn't the, the time <laughs> nor the place. I, I, I could, I could go on, but yes, uh, but this is what I want to say. But on the other hand, because this movie does, take these things and kind of turn it on its head. I could also see conspicuously stating that it's an Airbnb as a, a critique. There's, I was going to ask that. Cause it's like, it's not like a glowing, yeah. uh, you know, a glowing review of, of, of a normal stay at an Airbnb. Sure. So 
I could see it going either way. I understand that this is trying to make a statement about a few different things. Once again, it's trying to be self-aware and contemporary, like Candyman and things like that, where a lot of people, depending on who you talk to, they think that's a problem. Um, if you're talking to some like MAGA dickhead, they're going to say, why does it got to be political? You know, so <laughs> anyways, that's one of my bads, though, but with asterisks, with an asterisk. Okay. What else do you got? Uh, what else do I have? There was, I had something else. Why don't you go with one of your bads though, while I try and get back and I'll rewind because I had something and then I, I lost it. The property management company that AJ calls, what purpose do they serve if they don't even get the house ready for the next guests? Like, yeah, they say nobody has stayed there since, uh, uh, Tess and Keith, but do they just wait until the last possible second to check out? Uh, how the last guest left the house. Like they didn't, they don't clean up after I like, what is the point of the property management company? Like I'd be legit pissed if I'm AJ, like, it's like, what do I pay you guys for you? Like this was two weeks ago and you haven't even come by here. Their shit, their shit is all over the place. <laughs> what? what is the point? Bad property management company. Yeah. And so because I'm going through current woes, dealing with finding a new place as I was talking to you about off my, that actually rang pretty true for me. When you see how rife the incompetence is or the intentional, there's like the, the designed incompetence there are in a lot of these places where on the one hand, it seems kind of to some people, it seems unlikely that these proper ma- property management companies wouldn't know how to deal with these things, or somehow they've also unbeknownst to the owner of the place farmed it out as an Airbnb and also can't deal with that properly because they double book people. I know all this seems like you're heaping kind of you're heaping issues on top of issues, but that's how they, that's how a lot of these places work. They don't fucking know what they're doing. And intentionally, because in that incompetence, they're able to reel people in and take money from them and then just fuck them over and be like, eh, sorry, it was a clerical mistake. We just literally had to deal with that with a place that we were we had a showing for. We were going to go look at it. They canceled us one day. We rebooked it. They canceled us the next day. And then they said they already leased the place out, even though we had already put an application in for it. So they just took 50 fucking dollars away from us and fucked us on two separate times. That's infuriating. So that's what I'm saying. These places do actually operate in that way. I'm not saying it's inaccurate. I'm saying they're a bad property management place. Yeah. And it is bad. And that is a bad. Oh, going back to what my bad was. We have another instance of we need to have another category for this. Bad, bad cops doing their job badly. Oh, yeah. I did. It, it's it's like so par for the course at this point that I, I'm just like, <laughs> like cops going to sh- cops are going to show up and they're going to do bad and they're going to leave. Like, I just I'm not even it would be I, I would bring it up if they showed up and were like helpful or like a pivotal plot point like good thing the cops showed up but it's so funny at this point i I, it's it's as background as as the trees and the grass i'm just like okay yeah 
Yeah. But yes, you're right. <laughs> I'm also watching all this Dahmer shit that they just keep heaping into my lap, and I will fucking <laughs> I bet you're loving it. Ladle it up into my mealy <laughs> mouth. Uh, but yeah, I, I just cannot stress enough how uh, the cops in in the Dahmer case are as bad, maybe worse than Jeff at almost every fucking possible instance. It's crazy. It's, it's, and it's not just like returning the 14 year old boy back to the apartment so he can be murdered. He was pulled over, interrogated and, and talked to by police and judges and lawyers over and over and over again. He was booked. He was sentenced. It, it, the system is irrevocably fucking broken, but that we both don't know that. So we both already know that. We've had plenty of discussion about that and about how in these movies, there are these, what would be considered unlikely scenarios. So I guess people that are more naive, I suppose. But then when you really look at case by case analysis and studies, Oh no, that's actually how that happens. So I think that's interesting how, Maybe that is what Zach Krager's. I think Zach Krager's is actually being pretty smart in in certain ways with this movie. So I give him his roses for for a lot of these oh, things. You're admi- admonishing him. You're throwing roses at the stage. Well, you know, you roses are at the theater. Roses theater. before thorns, as they say. But <laughs> is that what they giving, say? Yeah, that's what they say. You've never heard that before. Roses before thorns. Yeah, it's like you give roses for accolades and you give thorns for criticism. So we're in the we're in the thorny aspect, but I gave him his roses. I gotcha. We're in the weeds yeah. now. We're in the thorns. Yes. So um, we got bad cops. We got bad property managers. What else? We got bad product placement, but it could be uh, the phones. I'm sticking with though. The phones fuck using the the replete usage of phones. It would be weirder if they didn't have phones. That's my thing. Like, it'd be, be like, what, nobody has a fucking phone in this? That's what I would no, think. No, that's not what I'm saying. I, I understand that they have to have cell phones in them. Also, everything is booked through your phone. So, like, her looking at the reservation, it's really, it would be, I would I, be, you would be fucking jazzed if she pulled out her printed MapQuest directions <laughs> and, like, like would. you would be so fucking hyped. But, like, to <laughs> me, that doesn't make any sense, but I, uh, to you, I, I, it, it's irksome. I get it. I understand. This is, this is all my shit that I got to deal with because <laughs> I hate, I hate so much about contemporary culture and the trajectory that we, we continue to go on that even though I'm, I'm immersed in it and I use it clearly, I'm on my phone all the fucking time too. I'm on a Apple fucking laptop talking to you about this stuff. I get it. It's it's just me. It's my complex relationship with the world we live in and how much I don't like it and how much I would much prefer to hearken back to a previous time and just exist in that time forever. <laughs> yeah, but then you'd be there and you'd be like, what's the deal with axes? Do we have to chop down these trees? using?" Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you what is the a... deal with stone mills? Yeah, you can't. You can't. Yeah. There's, there's Just keep be... stone mills everywhere. <laughs> you got to be able to process grain in a different <laughs> – Different capacity. God, I'm so sick of seeing this horse-drawn buggy in another (laughs) production. Why does it? (laughs) That'd be you. You're not happy regardless of the time or place. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Other bats. I just, 
I guess I, I don't have a whole lot of bad for it other than like some like, yeah, the self, the self-awareness aspects of it. All right. But it's like, I get it, you know, on the one hand. Um, and just in, just general, my front loaded, not being into a lot of new horror movies that you clearly are trying to get me to get over. And I, I'm, Hey, I'm talking about this movie, and I didn't mind this movie. I actually enjoyed a lot about it. So here we are. Not that much of a fucking <laughs> oh. curmudgeon. No, I, I disagree. Um, <laughs> questionable, but questions yeah. that you have. Okay, so big question. For one, how was this subterranean lair? with this monster and its father, her father able to exist undetected amongst years of residents living at this place up to this point, or is that, did they detect them? Well, he, so he, the serial killer is the original homeowner. I understand. Like, I don't know. We, we don't know. And, I don't necessarily want an explanation of when it changed hands from the serial killer to Justin Long and how many people were in between that. Right. So, So, yeah, I I have no idea because it could have been, it could be, this could be a recent thing, I guess. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. So is this meant to know? Is this house patient zero essentially in this area for being gentrified? Because that's another question I have is, yeah, I get it. The test is pulling up to this place at night, but you would clearly see when you're driving through this neighborhood that this neighborhood is fucked. It is a no man's land. There is no other property around it that is in any way in a state of what would be considered proper habitation this is like i mean you know this living having lived here this is like 42nd and broadway it's just like you know people people come in i guess some people call them thrifty uh house flippers some people call them imperialists you know whatever and they fucking just they'll flip a house on the block and then it's the nicest house on the block and then everything else is left decrepit and then these people just wait for you know, the bu- <laughs> there's a great Simpsons uh, thing about gentrification where everything gets upgraded and uh, it's like normal shit. Like, you know, the trees get nicer and the landscape yeah. gets nicer. But then a bum just turns into a, a, a mailbox. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, what this, that's what this is. They're, these house flippers are waiting for like all the homeless people to get turned into like mailboxes and stoplights. And for everything else to turn into like a, a, a coffee house, and so they can make money on on flipping the house. But it, I like I thought it was very authentic in terms of how gentrification works. One house on one block at a time, and yeah. It, but in terms of red flags, which this movie is supposed to be like from the female perspective, the amount of red flags that uh, a, a female incurs in her in her day-to-day life. But yeah, pulling up to that. I think it's interesting though. If you notice, she pulls up in the middle of the night and then it's, it's a, there's a stark contrast when she leaves the house. Even she looks around and is like, holy shit, I didn't realize this neighborhood was fucked. Yeah. Like, and, and we as the viewers, 
don't actually realize the street is is you know massively underserved until she leaves in the middle of the day and then you're like oh my god this it's a house in the middle of this rundown neighborhood yeah i that i lived that scenario living at the secret location yeah where you know we were the only people that essentially lived on that block there was a few other neighbors and then towards the end of living there they put this fucking prefab shit ass house right next door in the lot to us with this peckerwood ass white guy from the <laughs> suburbs moving in and immediately it went from we had our own little realm there where we could do whatever we want party all we want have bands play all hours of the night to now i've got this fucking prick issuing noise complaints left and right oh my god and i you had live to live living the good life up to I that point i hated that motherfucker i would would daydream scenarios at work where i'm like how do i get this guy back leaving yeah. flaming shit bags on his porch the whole nine yards because i constantly was at war with him going over there saying yo you moved here so you have no right to encroach upon us you fucked yeah. up by we didn't come in the neighborhood, neighborhood and yeah like yeah anyways so yes i get it it's it's just it's just funny that maybe that does lend itself to the gullibility because this movie for me is is also a big discussion about techie, liberal, new millennial professional types also. And how AJ, yeah. Well, AJ and Tess, because yeah. Keith, Keith is, Keith is considered, he, he's essentially, I guess, kind of a punk because he's like a squatter dude. That was his whole thing was he was there scouting out areas to squat or, to develop for communal housing. He's kind of, he's a leftist. He's a leftist and she's this PMC professional managerial class type, uh, I guess, or, I mean, she's, she's a, she's a film person. Yeah. She's there for a job interview, right? Yes. So it is, I think a commentary about how gullible they are as well. And AJ is also a shithead, you know? So there's, there is that level of discussion to yeah, be had. I think so. Um, and I and I guess that's another bad for me is I just I hate people like this. <laughs> mm. So it's <laughs> hard hate, for you to relate. Yeah, I can't relate to people like this because that's and that's why I I enjoyed the throwback to the seventies and eighties where it showed an arrow in this country where it was driven by and large or not driven, but the, the share that the working class had into the stake of this country was much greater that you could be, you could be a working class hick fucking serial killer rapist and own a nice house in Detroit. Yeah. With like with the Flanders ass fucking neighbor. And now you can't, now and you can't do that. Anymore. Sweet, sweet rapist income <laughs> that's what i mean you could you could be just cashing in being a rapist a working it's not class that, rapist. yeah it's not like <laughs> but he it affords him the time to rape we just don't have time anymore we don't have time so we're just so we're so we're so beleaguered we're so tired from right, working got, 80 hours just to 
make just a, to get you by. know a cost of living goes up the pay doesn't go up nobody rape has goes time down. for rape yeah rape goes down we just don't we're too tired yeah. how am i supposed to get in rape when i'm working six <laughs> jobs you know how am i supposed Dumber to get in the would rape? be screwed Dahmer would have to work and have to be double shift at ambrosia chocolate factory you'd have no time to eat that would be a good sociological analysis to have on why crime, why violent crime has gone down so much. It's not because of this necessarily personality shift or psychological shift. It's because people just don't have time. Dahmer to- was making seventeen dollars an hour, nineteen ninety money. So not like that's not like that's good that's money. Not, yeah, it's right. That's not inflation. That's it is what he was making in nineteen ninety. And he chose to live in that fuck in, uh, you know, purposely in the Oxford apartments, in a decrepit area. So he had to have been just had fucking bank. That guy had to have been just rolling in money. Yeah, I mean, it costs a lot to buy those tubs of hyd- hydrochloric acid, those vats. That and the all the halcyon, yeah, all the halcyon. That shit ain't cheap. So I, I, I'm, I'm just saying. There we go. We have time for maybe one more question before we have to move okay. on. Yes. This actually turned out to be longer than I expected. So we got so go we, we got so excited. You want me to ask a question? Question away. I don't know. I have three here. I don't know. Oh, I sure. have a question. Yeah. Would that well first off, I, I always have the question of how do these genetic monstrosities also somehow harness superhuman strength given it's the fact freak, that it's just freak strength freak strength it's your the fact classic that freak strength they're in this underground dwelling they where is their nutrients coming from how are they eating to survive how how is their day-to-day existence that if I they did, tr- my did question uh what was in the bottles <laughs> what was in the bottles She's where, not where, lactating. She's not lactating. Where is all the where are all the remnants of the previous victims also? There's none to be seen. No bones, no piles of bones. When uh when AJ refuses to take the bottle, which I don't blame him, and then Tess latches onto that fucking thing because she's she knows what she has to do to survive down there. Yeah. That was a good gross piece of business i love that that's so disgusting and then she forcibly breastfeeds him in the other room like as punishment that was so fucking fun i (laughs) yeah that was pretty gross you know what was the grossest thing about that wasn't necessarily the that the idea of sucking on that bottle the hair that was covered all over that bottle oh yeah yeah dude the whole thing the whole, the, the just the the idea of all of it is, and what is in the bottle again? Uh, maybe formula, but I, who knows? It could be it could be just be a bunch of cum. <laughs> <laughs> it's come from the rapist, from the yeah, he's mummy just, rapist. He's the only one milking in this underground lair. He's <laughs> on constant cum rotation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't have anything that's like. Nothing worth discussing or nothing that we haven't already brought up, I, I should say. Okay. You want to move on then? Yeah. So 
Moving on to our, our awards section, let's let's hand out some Flixies. <laughs> we, we've never named our awards. Anyway. There, uh, well, here they've been officially chris, christened, the Flixies. That that's, doesn't roll off the tongue. <laughs> sense we can't say the flixie for the david mendenhall award jesus because the flixie is the overall category so just yeah these are called the flixies and then here we go uh the david mendenhall award which goes to the worst performance who's the worst performance in this to you who is the worst performance i I got it i'm gonna say with a caveat in the beginning tess that's unbelievable yeah, I thought she was the worst performer, but she she did redeem herself for me when she came along. I feel like as a as being a victim or a final girl that's challenging her adversaries, she she did redeem herself. But I didn't like her performance in the beginning. I was real salty about it. I I you're usually the one that backs out of these categories. I just I don't have anybody that was like markedly bad in this nobody I, I i thought the casting was great and i thought everyone did a good job so i'm there's no award this year <laughs> all right the frank booth award goes to the character who best belongs in a david lynch movie i mean this one's uh fairly easy right you want to say the mama i was gonna say the serial killer rapist because the mama does remind me of the the creepy lady in Mulholland Drive behind the dumpster. Also, well, I guess but, that would be Andre in this, the homeless guy. <laughs> except he's not terrifying. Yeah, he's not terrifying except for that one moment where he comes. He comes running out. To we didn't grab talk pets. about this, but he's Andre's got to work on his people skills. I mean, yeah, he really, he yeah, he's not very approachable. The he girl needs to, is not. <laughs> He's, he's trying to He'll help. just go running after her. But he's at a beeline sprint like, hey, hey, lady, come here. Like, yeah, no, I, I she she did the classic horror movie thing where that people do. It's even in Seinfeld. There's our Seinfeld. Uh, we tied it back around successfully where you pretend that the serial ki- the, the monsters after you and you, you pretend to try to get the door open in time. Yeah. Like Jerry does that with one of his girlfriends in an episode. <laughs> she does, she does that for real in this. She's like trying to get the fucking code, but the key, yeah, it's so good. Just fumbling around. We also didn't mention how badly Andre gets it. He gets beat to death with his own he limb. Does, he also gets it. That's gentrification for you. He, he <laughs> would be a, he would be a, a, a mailbox soon enough. Um, <laughs> step yeah. one. Okay, the EG Daily Secret Admirer Award goes to. Please take a bullet. The horny police the are going to come after us and just say the the mother. The mother. <laughs> Actually, if I'm going to say it, as far as my my proclivities go, I'm going to say the one 
insinuated rape victim in the flashback where he goes in as the, Oh the yeah. The, the lady that and, answers the door. Yeah. She was, she was a babe. I mean, she's, I'm just going to go with uh, Georgina Campbell as Tess. Yeah, I yeah. think, I think she's just so babely or, or Justin long. I've been told uh, mm-hmm. in my younger years when I was more svelte, I looked, looked like, like Justin, Justin long. long. Yeah. I was told that mm. not anymore. My head all, inflated and misshapen from years of very bad bad strength training now you look like doug bradley yeah too many calories justin long to doug bradley (laughs) uh okay welcome to primetime bitch award goes to the best one-liner i didn't really having having seen this in theaters and not really taking any quotes in do you have anything for this no this doesn't have any good one-liners. Well, I do think, like, uh, I, I do think um, Justin Long singing in the convertible is fucking hilarious. I love that that scene. And I, I think he probably, if this were a movie that we were able to take notes and research properly, uh, I think Justin Long probably has some great one-liners in this. He's probably, he's really funny in this. I just can't re- recall anything off the top sure. of my head. Yeah. Please tell me you because we're starting the wiki wormhole with the body count. How many people died in this? Well, we have to account for all the people that were the raped and murdered. So well, on, I, on screen deaths, on screen deaths, we the got mother, Keith, the mother, the, ra- the rapist, AJ, the rapist. That's four, and the and Andre. That's five. So there you go. Okay, five. Five. <laughs> and for the trivia section, obviously being a newer movie, it doesn't have a ton, but it does have some interesting stuff. Um, I thought this was cool. Zach Cracker originally offered this role, um, uh, the role of AJ to Zach Efron. Efron turned it down, and then Cracker offered it to Justin Long. I, unlike a lot of people who hate on Zac Efron. I've seen some stuff that he's in and I like him in some stuff. I don't think he's just another pretty face. I think the Ted Bundy shit was fucking garbage trash. Oh, I, really? Yeah. I, I hate him in that. I, oh, I, I didn't mind him in that. Honestly, don't like it, uh, but I've seen other okay. stuff with him in where that I like. So, okay. I, I'm not mad about that at all. Yeah. Okay. Justin Long is an upgrade. Absolutely. But Zach Efron would have been interesting because you cut to him. Now you're like, what the hell is, is I, you know, I think that the issue with Zach Efron, though, is because he's too much of a pretty boy. He's also a pretty boy to me. He he is, but he's also. Yeah, but he's not built. Zach Efron to, has the high school, the musical Disney persona. To yeah. Him. Yeah. I don't think Which, it would have been as convincing as. Justin Long as this kind of wormy, slippery kind of spineless little shit. No, but I could. Zach Efron does look like somebody that doesn't know. No means no. Oh, absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. But so he's I one think, of those guys that I feel would would get away with it easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, well, we talked about this a little bit, but um, although not officially credited in any way, Jordan Peele was an invisible hand in shaping this eventual story. Georgina Campbell tells Indie Wire 
uh, in an interview that Zach Kreger is good friends with Jordan Peele. And I think he spoke to Jordan a lot while he was writing the film. And Jordan Peele saw an early cut of this as well. Campbell also said he definitely was kind of a presence of uh, on the movie. So that for what it's worth, is this movie better because Jordan Peele had anything to do with it even a little bit? We'll never know. I don't know if it's better, but it definitely wouldn't have gotten the repute or visibility that it is currently. I think any current contemporary horror movie that gets any sort of accolades, I I feel that Jordan Peele, any mainstream accolades, Jordan Peele somewhere existing in it. Real quick, have you seen Nope and did you like it? I haven't seen it, heard it's pretty good, will watch it. I'll let you know. I think you're going to fucking hate it. (laughs) (laughs) The trailer. I don't know know what I think of it. Yeah. I don't think I like it. I just don't like that. There's, there's a quippiness to the trailer where they're just taking the nope, 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 nope. I will say that it's, that's not, I mean, what I, I said quickly and now here we are. Anyway, I'll move on. Move on. I don't know how I feel about it. (laughs) Um, the film is set on 476 Barbary Street Uh, the year 476 was when the barbarians invaded Rome which is there you go (laughs) never known that Um, and finally this this is uh, something that you clued into when you sent it to me Um, so I thought it was funny and I'm sure that this pissed you off but yeah coincidentally or not so coincidentally, you cannot spell barbarian without Airbnb. Yeah, I saw somebody put that in a review. Um, that was, hey, look at there. Also, did you know that uh, part of this movie was filmed in Bulgaria? Why? The, ca- the cast and crew, or the crew, sorry, is replete with people that are from there. By the, You can tell by their names. We were looking at the the credits were like, wow, it's like a lot of, a lot of people from Eastern Europe or whatever. And I looked it up and yeah, it was filmed in Detroit and Bulgaria. They, you know, they didn't have to go that far to get whatever the hell they got. <laughs> what did Charlotte yeah. think? Charlotte liked it. Good. Yeah. She liked it. She, she liked it more from the beginning to the end. I wasn't convinced until second act onward. Hmm. That I was gonna like. That I was gonna Justin like. Justin Long literally shined a light onto your. He onto did. Your essence. Yeah. He 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 was the one that that at least led me into thinking. Okay, I think I can try to enjoy this. I can. Everything's I can gonna rel- be all right. I can relax. I can unclench my jaw. <laughs> so out of out of five. Uh, grotesquely <laughs> overfilled with with cum baby bottles with hair dripping off the nipple <laughs> <laughs> out of five baby bottles uh what would you rank this i give it three and a half i i'm surprised you added the half i i the way you were speaking of it it sounded like a three for you yeah it's three um, three and a half i'll give it a four uh yeah it's not it's not perfect. Like you said, didn't reinvent the wheel, but I appreciate when 
this kind of movie is still in circulation, it means everything's going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I enjoy the fact that it exists. I enjoy that there are these glimmers of decent thriving horror just and that money i just if money is being pumped this is the way i felt about malignant which a lot of people didn't like but if if james wan can coerce a studio into giving him millions and millions of dollars to do a high-end reconceptual conceptualization of basket case then i think we're all better (laughs) better for it i do i do think that like i think that's that's fucking great. If he can bamboozle 20th Century Fox or whoever the hell is putting out James Wan stuff, I think that's great. And give him more money. I Give him all the money in the world to make yeah. whatever the fuck he wants to make. Well, and, and, and in these regards, you're, you're the posy, Pat. And this is, if anybody knows from our dynamic, this is what I think makes this work with our discussions is you – are more tuned in with your ear to the, to the newer stuff and have a different perspective about it than I do. And I like that. I like that you're able to watch these movies and glean something from them that I already am front-loaded and, and biased against. You are like a family that's moving cross-country uh, on the Oregon Trail in the 1800s. You just have all your baggage and you're bringing it aboard. <laughs> Backing it, and I'm gonna get dysentery, and I'm gonna lose at least a couple children along the way. Yes, and Jeremiah died of smallpox. <laughs> gonna have to ford a river, and the wheel's gonna come off, and we're gonna lose half of our rations, and we're gonna die this winter. Just in general, yeah, yeah. I think both of us will die this winter. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. about right. So, all right, what's the where the hell? Where are we going next week? Oh, it's me. It's my turn. Yeah. Wine, so, you wine, and, wine and dine me. <laughs> you know, I think I got a good one. I, I'm trying. I'm trying to do like almost like a conceptual arc here with these and tie them all together in some way. But I don't think I can with this one. But we're gonna go ahead and we're going to watch Tourist Trap. Ooh, I love Tourist Trap. Nice. Yeah. It's going to be a good one to, to talk about, to rap about. Yeah, I, I love, and this is actually why I like um, House of a Thousand Corpses. I I love roadside museums as the, like, <laughs> as a set piece in general. I think the, the it's a piece of, and we talked about this as something we both like. It's, it's uniquely... Uh, American. It's a unique piece of Americana to have roadside museums or to like buy the, you know, buy the Hitler's death mobile or whatever and drive it across country and pay people to see it or whatever. Or the Bonnie and Clyde car that got wheeled across country all riddled with bullets. I love the morbid curiosity of a roadside museum. Tourist trap's great though. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be fun to talk about. Yes, I look forward to it. This has been another deep dive into Midnight Movie Madness. Big thanks to Charlotte Blythe for providing our intro music. Our outro music is brought to you by Electric Wizard with their song 
appropriately enough, Barbarian. If you're uh, looking to shoot us a question, our email is thirsty for uh, your email, Dick. MidnightFlixPod <laughs> at gmail.com. Or hit us up on Instagram at MidnightFlixPod. We're also on we're on the TikTok. And the Instagram. It. Or did you already say that? You just said I just it. said it. Come I'm in. a dick. I'm Come a in hot like a boomer with with his profile pic that's just <laughs> just half his face and frame <laughs> for Adam Walker I'm Pat Mitchell see you next week for Tourist Trap Bye.